the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the SpotTrack.com podcast. My name is Paul Peck with the founder and editor of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti. Our third wheel this week, Mike, Kevin Sylvester, is, I think, enjoying a break with his kids and hopefully in warm weather somewhere. So we'll uh, do our best to carry the weight. How come you're not on a beach somewhere? That's a good question. That's a good good question. I have a. If I tell you I'm going to a beach tomorrow, will you not be too mad at me? Well, I've, I've got a pretty good reason. I've got a wife who's 35 weeks oh, pregnant. Okay. So. Well, yes. Yeah. Clearly, so. clearly, yes. We're, we're, we're home a lot these days. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so Kevin will be back with us next week. So we'll we'll do our best to carry this episode through. And there's a lot to talk about. Obviously, we're going to get into the Manny Machado contract and all of Mike's perspective on what it means. I, I, it's all you know. For the first time in months, people are talking baseball, and it's because of that. So we'll get into that a little bit. I think the big football news uh, of the week is Antonio Brown appearing to have some more solidity to the Steelers getting ready to trade him. How do they do that? What are the effects of that? We'll talk with Mike about that. Yeah, I know you also want to dip into a little bit of a talk about compensatory picks because mm-hmm. I think we're going to learn those in the next week or so, roughly right around combine time. We learn those. Uh, and then uh, another Steeler that always seems to be in our <laughs> news world is Le'Veon Bell. So we'll touch on all of that in this week's edition. Yeah, I want to throw a curveball here before we get to baseball. Love curveball. Pun intended there. Uh Paul, you're the voice of our local college juggernaut right now. Yeah, the University of Buffalo. Buffalo Bulls, yeah. yeah. Coming off a good football season and, and now a strong basketball season. Here's where I want to go with this. The college sports right now are sort of nothing like the sports that I delve with, right? There is some, there's unwritten rules to them, yeah. right? There's, there's all those little things built in, the nuances, right? There's... There's winning, but not winning by too much. Right. There's spending, but not overspending. All, all that. Right. You know what there is, though? Pause you know is what, what there is, is that's that's incredibly similar? The disparity. Okay. Big market versus small market. And, and by that, I refer to power, power six, power five conferences, mid-majors of which we're discussing here. But, but let's talk baseball. Okay. Pro baseball. The Houston Astros, underdogs, right? They were underdogs until they won that World Series. But the Houston Astros didn't have to win baseball games 37-3 to for us to think they were good. True. That's not college basketball or college yeah, football. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It's a completely different story. If you're not Kentucky or Duke or, you know, the, the juggernauts, the, the big power conference juggernauts in football and basketball, you have to blow people mm-hmm. out. And is, my question to you is, and as a broadcaster... Is that good for the sport? Is it good to sit down knowing we can't just win this game at the buzzer? We have to absolutely demolish no, this team. No, I've never thought it's good because it shouldn't matter. Win your games. Win them. I, you know, if you win by 30 and you win by 8, um, what does that, what should that mean? I've, I've always sort of bristled at it when in, re, in response to college football. Like, oh, they got to win yeah. the game by 40. Well, why? But why? So because your backups are going to come in the game and against somebody else's backups? I, I never quite understood it. But, you know, here's, you know, here's what we're talking about when you have a mid-major program that's off the general radar where there's already doubts lined up until you overcome those doubts. Um, I think there's a lot more pressure. Um, I think from a technical standpoint, with the change from the RPI to the net rankings, tried to alleviate some of that. But in reality, it didn't. Because what the net rankings did differently was said, anything more than a 10-point win doesn't count any better than a 30-point win. Yet, the net rankings 
are very rather heavily weighted towards efficiency, both offensively and defensively. Well, guess what? If you win by 40, your efficiency is likely going to be better than if you win by 12. So a lot of coaches, and particularly the one here in Buffalo as a mid-major trying to keep himself in the top 25 and impress people who are automatically sort of resigned to think, well, they don't play anybody, so they can't be that good. I think he feels a lot of pressure to win games big, not only to help that number, because a lot of people are strictly voting on the top 25, by the net ranking and I think the the committee is using putting a lot of weight on it as well too so he knows that the number is going to be what the number are that's your world right the numbers say what they say but there's also this perception around the country that if you're a mid-major program and you're not playing all these brand name power schools well you better blow them out and and I think to some degree we've seen it as the ratings have gone on a week to week because the the Bulls have been ranked 15 straight weeks that's pretty amazing for a mid-major that isn't Gonzaga or Butler that they've won games and dropped in the ratings Mm -hmm. Um, they've lost and maybe dropped not as much as people thought Uh, you know they're being kind of killed they were up to 14th and they went from 14 to 21 after after they lost on the road at Marquette when they gave, when they let Marcus Howard score over forty points, he's done that like six times since then. Yeah. So why did that hurt them so much? I, I don't I, know. So you mentioned the coach, the coach at UB. He's animated, and he's not shy about this. He's also a math guy, which you, you he's a former math teacher, yeah. and and really, he's really into the analytics. He, he does he he's coach insati- to the analytics? Yes, part? he's insatiable for wanting more of it. Um, you know, I've tried to explain this to people. Here's how he coaches to it. He will tell his guys, "I would rather you take an open three than a contested ten footer." Yeah, because the numbers tell him that there isn't enough of a difference in the percentage of makes for an open three versus a contested in the lane jumper. Maybe the maybe the in the lane jumper hits at uh, on a national average at. 33% and the, the, the open three hits at 31% to him. That's not enough of a difference to pass that open three up. Uh, I went to a conference about 10 years ago now where Daryl Morey spoke mm-hmm. general manager of the Houston Rockets. Who's this was kind of a big grandfather so, of all this. Stuff, so this right? was like the pioneer year of this. He wasn't yet established as, you know, a, a figure he was preaching these numbers. He was preaching these methodologies at this conference and, and elsewhere. And obviously internally in Houston, and it ha- but it hadn't really borne out on the, on the court yet. Now it has. If, you've, if you watch the Houston Rockets, certainly if you watch James Harden, James Harden's not shooting 15-foot jumpers, all right? He's shooting foul shots. He's going to the basket and killing people, or he's shooting deep threes. Right. And, th- and that is basketball. And we are seeing that in college. Oh, yeah. We're no seeing question. deeper and deeper threes in college. We're seeing the translation from outside to inside is completely Universal. You're now. seeing more players shooting threes, Big more men. players with the ability to shoot threes. Right. Uh, almost everybody on the court, you know, has in most cases has the ability to shoot threes, um, and that's driven by the numbers. That that's where the analytics have come in. All right. Last point on this. You you mentioned the analytics. There's analytics and how they rank these guys. It's mm-hmm. not just an eye test anymore. It's it's very very you know efficiency, net rating, those kind of things. Is there any animosity? Is this just an unwritten rule? We know you have to kill us tonight. We know we, we know we're, we have to lose by 40 for you to do better. Do, do coaches... I have, you know, I can t- all I can point to is is the situation that's gone on with Buffalo. Yeah. And again, this is uncharted territory for a school of the Mid-American Conference level. So I think 
and I haven't heard a single coach complain about any any margin of victory because I think they're all secretly rooting. This, this is breakthrough stuff, you know. I mean, yeah. this is the Mid American Conference has not had an at large team, so basically has only had only one team in the tournament. It's been twenty years that, that you know, so they're rooting for that to change. So if it means Buffalo carries the flag for the conference and my team has to take a 40-point loss because it's going to help the perception. that the, I believe the MAC is the eighth or ninth rated conference overall, which is as high as it's ever been. Now, Buffalo being in the top 25 has a lot to do with that, but there's also showing more depth in the conference. So I don't think normally a coach might get angry that you're you know blowing them out by 40. Um I, I don't. I haven't felt that. What about going up the flagpole? We've got Duke UNC tonight. What if Duke beats Roy Williams by forty-five tonight? <laughs> He'll I'm, be mad. Will he? Will I, Will he say something? I. See, or is I it think just going to be we got our butts He's kids. not worried about his perception. He's not worried about no. his net ranking because because it's good. It's going to be good. It's going to stay good. Yeah. Shoot, sometimes schools like that when they lose their net ranking either improves or stays where it is. That that's. Something a mid-major doesn't have the ability to do. Okay. So, you know, I think it, it. I think if that happens tonight, it becomes more of a personal affront to Roy Williams and North Carolina fans, right? You know, and again, it depends how it happens. If it's That's right. if it's if it's guys eight through yeah, if Zion's the in there, roster, right? Yeah. If Zion's in with two minutes to go in a thirty-point game, that's a little bit different. <laughs> I like it. Let's get yeah. to some baseball, Paul. Analytics is everywhere, Mike. And I love that's it. What we, that's what I love about you is you, you've been on the cutting edge of something that is now taking over all levels of sports. Well, as we shift gears to baseball, the only real analytic number that needed <laughs> to make the one of the big decisions for the baseball offseason for Manny Machado, I, I think ultimately came down to no other number than the zeros. There's a lot to get to here. With I know Manny there Machado. Is. There's a but lot I think to get ultimately, to. Ultimately, there really isn't much. There is really isn't anything to get to other than the, the the Padres overpaid to get him and presented him with the number that he wanted and the biggest number possible. And to me, without getting having your knowledge of how this went down, to me, that's what it seems like on the outside. How does a team like San Diego get Manny Machado? Well, guess what? You overpay for him, um, and you get him to the number that he wanted to be at. I agree, but I actually think the White Sox offered more. From what I've heard, from what I've read, see, I thought they, I thought I heard their number was about two fifty. Eight for two fifty. So it's a with better. It was two thirty-five million dollar options after that. So that's why they were so upset that he. They didn't were mad. Sign with they it. thought that they were the highest bidder, and they were. He flat out chose the West Coast here, which well, I think surprised a lot of people. Because most people thought yeah. he wanted to be on the East Coast. Now, now again, I I, I chuckled a little bit at, at some of the faux outrage of mm-hmm. all this. It's San Diego. Pretty good place to play. (laughs) They also have what most people feel to be is the best farm system in all of baseball, which means there's a potential Houston Astros run coming of which Manny will be the centerpiece. I don't know that I see that in Chicago, second fiddle in Chicago, big time second fiddle. You're now the only pro sports team in San Diego. So for people in Chicago to be outraged... I, I don't quite understand what does surprise me more is if the money was really better in Chicago, then to be honest, good for Manny for, for using other factors. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, the prospects are fruitful. I mean, they're, they're very, 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 very top prospects, whereas Chicago, some of the guys who were at one point very top 10 prospects have already sort of flaked out a little bit. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're dropping. Some of them have had a couple of shots up and 
it's an eh right now. Um, so I could understand the pause with the White Sox. Uh, I don't know. This is this is big. This, this to me, here's my initial impression on Manny Machado in San Diego. They're not done. I think there's a they legitimate chance that Bryce Harper is has another offer <laughs> on the table. I That's think there's crazy. a legitimate chance that Dallas Keuchel gets an offer. I think this is I think this is Houston, and they know it's Houston. Maybe the Braves, and maybe they think maybe not this year, but for sure next year, and maybe this year. Right? That was the Braves. The Braves were a year away last year. Right. And they darn near won the NL East and, and went and went through this thing. So certainly they're going to be contenders based on their prospects and the signings they made. A couple of nice ones this year as well. This is step one to San Diego sort of following that path. And I think if if everything hits right, look, they're in a tough division. Right. Yeah, true. They're in a very tough division. Um, and part I think part of maybe going hard after Harper now is keeping him out of the off the Dodgers. Yeah. I mean that's a big deal to them. They've got to they've got to deflate the rest of this division somehow because that's their only chance to compete. Do you think some of this was an ownership that was tired of being a doormat? You know, I mean the Chargers, the, the Padres, Chargers, the Padres haven't been <laughs> really on our radar as a, a legitimate team in a long time. Um, maybe there was a little bit of ownership that said, you know what, all, we've got all this money coming in from all these places in baseball. Let's go all in and spend it and stop. You know, and, and and not only give more fans a reason to want to come to our games, but let's make this fun. So you I, want to own a team? You want to be fun? I guess that's exactly what I'm saying. If you, just a team off the top of my head, the, the Marlins, right? How do the Marlins operate? They decide what year they're going to try. Yeah, and I'm not joking here. They decide what year it's going to be, and they sign everybody they can to go for it, and then they fire sell the heck out of it the next two years. Right. That's just what they do. If that's the mentality that San Diego has, and it might be, but like I said, they're they're you know three or four in, in that division every year. If they're going to be all in over this year and next year, they're not done. There, there's a pitcher to be signed. There's some sort of Bryce Harper type player. I mean, obviously not to that caliber, maybe, but I'd say for sure there at least there's an offer on the table for Harper right now. Yeah, um, you know, again, you hear about this offer, and and I know that you've been a big proponent of the shorter term deal for I these sure guys, have. but clearly that doesn't seem like it's happening. Although I, I think it's worthy of you mentioning that there is an opt out. Yeah, Machado's deal. five years in, halfway through this deal, there's an opt out. He'll be 31. He can reset his market if he wants to. So it really is a five year deal. It's a, it well, it's a player option. So, you know, if he's terrible, if he's Albert Pujols, not terrible, but if he's, you know, if he's not nearly the producer that he that he's going to be for the next two, three years, he can make a lot of money to do not too much for that right. team. So, right. But again, if as things change quickly, more quickly in sports than they ever have before, mm-hmm. if things go, to, if this run doesn't get them to where they want it to be, or maybe if this run does, and by the time year five comes around, they've had to move other pieces out or, or, or whatever, then Manny can say, okay, I did what I came here for and where's my next stop? Uh, that flexibility, I think, is really important. So my ultimate question was, you know, the first thought was, okay, Bryce Par- Harper isn't taking any less than $300 million and $1. At this point, is that what Machado's deal has done to the Harper front? Sure. I mean, Bryce has pretty much come out and said, I'm, I need to be the highest paid player. And that's actually 325 That's Stanton's contract, right? 13 right. years, $325 million. If we're talking about total value, Harper's got to go three twenty-five and a dollar. Um, and it sounds like that's really what he wants. I assume now, knowing what Machado has has received, he will get that. I don't know if he's worth that. <laughs> you know, I've got him valued at about thirty one million. I had Machado at about twenty eight. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're, we're right in line with their their baseline. So I understand teams having, especially a San Diego, a small market, having to overpay. You know, if Bryce ends up in the Dodgers, 
Are the Dodgers going 350 on Bryce Harper? Right. Well, you bring up the Dodgers. You, know? you bring up the Dodgers, and I th- this is an interesting point. You know, the, the, the big spenders have been relatively quiet, as, as everyone has been relatively quiet. But, mm-hmm. but to, to think that it's not the usual parade of the Yankees and the Cubs and the Dodgers and the Angels, all the, all the typical teams that spend the money on the big players, the Yankees, mm-hmm. if I didn't say them, um, have been quiet. And here the little old char- the little old Padres come in and swoop in at the moment the biggest fish available. Does it signal any change in the way baseball's business is done towards making the smaller markets be more viable? It might. I, I can't get there yet. The-, the reason being, the Yankees and the Red Sox, and to some degree the Dodgers, and definitely with the Cubs, they're just in a better window. Than these other teams they they've drafted well internally which you know that's generally not how these teams build because they've been able to throw big checks at guys and say come and play that part of it that part of the game has certainly changed building through the draft is now more important than it has ever been in this game ever because of the cheapness of the first six years of these players it's just there's no getting around that it's like any other league with a rookie wage scale baseball's rookie wage scale goes six years and you barely have to pay a guy 30 million dollars over the six years barely even the top top echelon guys like a mookie betts so many of these teams are just benefiting off of youth they've acquired or drafted, and they're just in that window. They're able, they're able to supplement that with one or two massive signings, like a J.D. Martinez in Boston. Obviously, the Yankees brought in Giancarlo Stanton on that huge contract. So you're able to supplement based on the building you've done through the draft. So the days of you know, poaching six, seven guys, paying them $20 million plus, those are certainly done. Um, and, and look, at even San Diego sort of set them up for this. If you remember last year, they signed Eric Hosmer to a $20 million plus contract. Which sort of sort out of, of nowhere. At he was sort bit, of the right? man on an island out there in terms of you know, finances. Right. Uh, and I actually saw a great tweet yesterday. Somebody actually reached out to him and said, are you okay now that you're not the top dog you know, financially in San Diego? He said, I'm more than happy to be, be number two, and I would actually love to be number three. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, for, for the for the for the trivial part of all this, so now, uh, as you mentioned, he's not the highest paid player in baseball, either average salary or total money right, right. now, is he? No, uh, Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera's extension, which just kicked in, it's got eight more years. It's unbelievable. Um, Thirty-one He'll be million a year. Sixty-three by the time Something. that thing. Yeah, him and Bobby Bonilla will be making money at sixty. <laughs> um, but so average annual, it's, it's Cabrera than Manny uh, in terms of batters, and there's a couple of pitchers as well. Kershaw's up there, Zach Greinke's up there. So there's some guys that are making more per year, um, but not on a ten-year deal. And total value-wise, it's John Carlos Stanton at three twenty-five and Manny at three hundred. We'll see where Bryce falls. Here's the thing. I broke this out a little bit with some, uh, you know, some World Series numbers because that's really what we're well, talking you, you about here, right? Well, you brought back your A Rod. You had some A Rod contracts on this list of the I gotta largest give and some biggest, love here. which is amazing because those are what 15 <laughs> years ago oh, originally. God. He's probably still making deferred money off that right now. Let me count quick: five, six, seven, eight, nine. All right, the top eight contracts in the history of Major League Baseball. Only one has gone to the World Series. Gone to the World Series. Really? And it's A-Rod. Huh. And that 2009 Yankees team that won. That's it. That's it. It is very hard to build a winning team around a massive contract. Well, like right. This. Because as much as you might think it's the piece of the puzzle or the final piece, in a lot of ways, it it, it handcuffs your ability to do other things. It does. And, and that's why that A-Rod contract ended up working then. 
because they actually that was actually an extension off that other massive contract right. he had with Texas. Yeah, and remember, Texas was paying a bulk of that when the Yankees made the trade for him. Right. So they, the, the Yankees moved some money around a little right. bit, and that 2009 year was just kind of the perfect storm. They had everybody sort of at where they needed to be. Jeter's contract was sort of restructured at that point. Um, by the way, Jeter's a top 20 contract of all time. Can you believe that? No, but I don't think you ever think of it Can that you believe way. that? Yeah, I, it's very surprising. Not Man. that he didn't deserve that kind of money, but he never... He, his contracts never kind of generated the giant headlines. No, he never, never, never. He never put himself out there as it's time for me to get paid. You know, certainly we're talking about player right. who's done that. Oh yeah. Coming in a different sport here, coming up here. But yeah, I mean, the, the names that are there, obviously David Price, he's the, he's now the highest uh, active player on a, on a massive contract to go to or win a World Series. And that was last year with the Red Sox. So it, it's rare. It's just rare to pay a guy. And I'll say this, I mentioned Price. Price, Kershaw, Grinky, Scherzer, those contracts kind of worked. You can't say the same about the batters. No. So there's a there's a long way to go for Manny Machado here because really the, the batters that have these 200 million plus contracts, man, maybe you get a year or two and then it really tails off right. production-wise. Right. So go to SpotTrack.com and you can kind of see the chart and you can see Mike's explanation of, of where this falls historically. I got one other thing to ask you about Machado before we move on to some football talk. Um, we spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about the tax ramifications uh, of contracts like this. Um, and and Robert Rayola, who's our go-to guy on the sports tax front, has always said, if you're going to play in a high-tax state, you want to defer the money because then you can move to Texas or Florida and get the bulk of your money and pay no state tax on it. Why do you suppose Machado did no deferred money? In None, this? from what I'm reading. The, I don't understand. He's going he's gonna to forfeit like $40 million here just off the top without even trying, um, from what I read at least. The, the only saving grace is I, I haven't seen structure yet. Maybe there's a massive signing bonus. If there's a signing bonus, and I actually saw this from Robert Royal yesterday on Twitter, if there's a signing bonus, it's possible that that can be dedicated to where, he's, where he, he resides full time. Right, if that's a payment that can be made now off season where he lives, interesting. And it doesn't include. I didn't realize that in all of our to, conversations. Well, I didn't realize that a signing bonus do, doesn't I, can be. I think it's timing. I think it's the dates that it's actually paid. Huh. Right. So uh, there's some reallocation they can do there. I just wonder if that's how they handled this. Right. We'll spread a signing bonus out every, you know, November. I mean, California <laughs> maybe is, if not the highest tax state, yeah. is up there. Right. Yeah, that had to be a, a factor with Chicago. Right. Somebody had to get in his ear and say, "You're gonna, you know." 300 million in Chicago versus 300 million in San Diego. It's a big difference. Somebody had to be in his ear with that because that's when you're getting to those kind of numbers, that's massive tax deductions. Right. All right. So there's our baseball talk. And and again, before we do our next edition of the spottrack.com podcast, maybe the Bryce Harper thing comes down and (laughs) and maybe we'll see what it all means. But the first uh, domino falls here with Manny Machado and training spring training is pretty much open all across the Florida and Arizona. So stuff's going to start to happen here, I would expect pretty quickly. Yeah, Uh, I I did read today, by the way, just to cap this off. uh, Bryce is not 100% 100% sold on, on Philadelphia. Which, yeah, I think which if to he me wasn't, means, he'd be done already. Well, which to me means the money's not there yet, right? Okay. Because yep. I, I would imagine he'd like to go play with those kids in, in a similar situation that Manny just signed in San Diego. Yeah, he probably would like to play in the same division he's from the team he's leaving. Well, my guess is Philly's offer yesterday 
now needs to be something different today based yeah. on Manny's number, and they're not willing to play ball, right? All right, so keep an eye on that. And I know Mike and Will and, Eric, and particularly SpotTrack.com. Well, all right, let's talk a little football. And we, I feel like every week we talk about <laughs> Antonio Brown, and, and there's a reason for that. And, and now there seems to be some more clarity after a meeting with the, with the owner, uh, the, the, the Rooney family, and the front office. There appeared to be uh, a, an agreement to part ways, Right. So all that said, um, if the Steelers have told Antonio Brown, we will pursue trading, although I thought it was interesting that they did not give them permission to work their own trade. So this is going to be on the Steelers terms. But does this tell you that there's going to be a parting? And now what is this going to mean for particularly the Steelers and the marketplace? I can't buy it until it happens. Yeah. I, I can't imagine That's a still team that 20, what, taking $21 million, million of dead, dead cap. cap hit. Yep. I cannot imagine it happening for a guy to go and play somewhere else and, and catch touchdowns. I, I, it makes no sense. This is, I, this is what I want to talk about here. We're here because Antonio Brown wants to be here. Mm-hmm. That's why we're at the, having this discussion. He wants to be somewhere else, is what you're saying. He wants to be loved he by wants, the market. He, he wants, wants guaranteed all the salaries. Right. He wants to be the guy. He doesn't want Juju Schuster catching 100 balls yeah. next to him. He, fine. Does he deserve this? I that, that that's we, a very we've spent interesting two debate. weeks discussing Anthony Davis, Antonio Brown, the Le'Veon Bell. We spent an entire year on Le'Veon Bell. I get it. It's a player-centric, you know, professional sports generation. It is. I mean, everybody's got social media. They own their brand. I get it. But this is where the buck has to stop. Antonio Brown's got three years left on this deal. Right. Okay. So here, here's some of the negatives if, if, if the, for the marketplace, for every other 31 NFL teams that might be considering this. Three years left on a rather hefty deal. Yeah. He's 31, right? Is that right age-wise? Almost. He's 31. Yep. Um, his production hasn't lacked, so I'm not saying that his mm-hmm. age has anything to do with that. Um, he's a handful. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. He's a handful. So is Randy Moss. Some teams <laughs> will look at that as a negative and say, I'm not bringing that into my clubhouse. Other teams were not hesitant to bring Randy Mosses and and some of the other guys who have been a handful. There, there will be teams that will say he is such a good player, he will make us so much better that we'll figure out a way to deal with that. But there are going to be some teams that are like, I don't want a guy who's going to throw his quarterback and the front office, and he's going to pout, and he's not going to show up, and he's going to pull this whole prima donna act on my new team and new city after I've just traded for him and absorbed this big contract. So those are the negatives. I think the positives we all know who he is, what he is, what a great player he is. Now, all that said, is he he's also played with a really, really, really good quarterback in his career. And can you replicate what Ben Roethlisberger helped to make Antonio Brown if he, with another quarterback? Not to mention learning a new system. This is this Steelers system has been in place for years. This is Ben's system. This is like going to Tom Brady's system in New England. This is Ben's system. I, the football side of it, I, I don't like this move. And Definitely the financial side of it. Look, the Steelers have like $10 million in cap space right now. All right? Yeah. If they trade him before June 1st, which they, I think they would because of the roster bonus and because they need to now figure out their the situation. the roster bonus done? March 17th. Which is, and how much? $2.5 million, which so is So they cash. don't want to have to pay that? No, they don't want to pay that. They can restructure it. But but the, the savings on a June 1st deal, does that not overcome that $2.5 million? Let me ask you this, though. You, you do this after June 1st. You split that dead money up, right? It's two and a half added on to 21, so 20, almost 24 million. Okay. 
essentially it's like nine this year. Are you going to, are you going to keep 15 million under cap next year to have Antonio Brown be somewhere else again? Some teams will say that's an, I'll worry, that's a next year million. problem. I'll worry about it. Some teams will say, pull the bandage off now, but, but again, it's it, it, with only 10 million in cap space. They got a lot of work to do to be able to create that situation. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's way too much work. You suck it up and you, you put this guy on the field and if he doesn't want to play for you, you find him. So so your point is you keep them. You keep them. And not, and not trade them because you can't handle the cap hit. Because you shouldn't have to handle that And then maybe hit. next year you worry about it. Look at I feel like next year they're going to worry about a lot of things. Yeah. Right? Don't yeah. you think this well, is going to be... At some point, Ben's going to walk away. I would think so. They've, they're getting old on their offensive line. They're talking line. about extending him. I don't know. He, he's, he's shown signs. And he's, he's actually talked about retirement. Right. That's usually the first sign. So I, but, but Antonio's not showing up. So if you don't trade him, so all right. So here's your here are my two questions that I want to get answers from you. You don't you you do there is no trade. The trade doesn't happen. What's the response from Antonio Brown? And the other question is, what's the marketplace for Antonio Brown? It's trade? good. It's good. I mean, you're going to get a, a second. No, it's a second. It's not a first. It's probably I don't think so. maybe a second and a late pick. But okay. uh, people, you know, a million people have asked me, and I've I wish I had a better answer. But there is no financial compensation. Like. You can't send cash considerations. There's no restructuring. Like none of his salaries are guaranteed. The and Steelers the cap don't do hit that. for the team that trades for him this year will be. Yeah, it's minimal. It's like 13, maybe. Okay, so but, that's not a deterrent. You no, know, it's around 14 million this year, that's, and then that's 11 manageable. three next year, and 12 five after that. Which means he's going to want more money. Yeah, he's probably going to want a new contract. Which means on you're going to send you're going to spend a second round pick on him, and he's going to say, "All right, time for a new deal. I need guaranteed salaries." Yeah, and he's 31 years old. Yeah, so that's what I mean. This is, this is a hard and rock place for both sides, especially the Steelers, especially right now. This is not the year to get out of this contract. I don't care what he says. We're in a, I get it. I get it. But look at, you know what the best point is? Anthony Davis, star basketball player. He's ready to win, right? You know who, you know who didn't trade him? The Saints owner. <laughs> a, football, a football owner. That's a good point. She looked at this contract and said, why are we getting rid of this guy? He's got yeah. a year left. Yeah. He's got a year and a half left. He's our best player. Why am I trading him right now? Because he wants to. And she didn't. She that's didn't. A good because point. that's what you don't, you don't do that in the NFL, unless you're the Patriots. <laughs> I, I still go back to one of the things we started our conversation with is they may have told Antonio Brown, we will look into pursuing a trade. But if you're not going to give his agent, Drew Rosenhaus in this case, the permission to do some shopping on his own, then you're keeping the terms on your end, and that may tell me that telling him he's going to be traded is just to keep him happy and keep him quiet. Look, a team like the 49ers could just throw first at this and, and end this, right? They seem like the logical landing spot, they don't could. they? Yeah, they do. Um, and maybe they overpay, you know, compensationally, and, and this is all done. Doesn't help the Pittsburgh Steelers. No, and that's the point. Because they're think, still taking $21 million on their that's cap. That's the point that every fan needs to keep in <laughs> mind is you're looking who's going to trade for them. What are they going to give up? It, it's, it's almost more about the Steelers wrapping their hands around the ramifications of getting rid of them more so than whatever they're going to get for him. Because then you have to replace 70 catches and 10 touchdowns. Right. Well. With no money. True, and and I, I guess you could say Smith Schuster has already pretty much emerged as almost their number one threat. They did draft James Washington from Oklahoma State pretty high last year, so there are some guys there. They're not Antonio Brown, no, though. No, and they didn't win with Brown and Schuster together last year, right? And as I mentioned, I think almost all of their offensive line is approaching thirty years old. Yeah, yeah. very interesting. <laughs> a very very interesting, and and not to mention Paul, they're also taking a dead cap hit with Ryan Shazier, right? 
and on the injury. end of the situation. So they're already a little bit behind the eight ball with, you know, financially speaking. Well, this why would be- do why do teams? And I keep thinking of the giant. Why do we, why do teams get themselves in this position with that position in particular? Well, let's talk about the other position because they're not in any better position with the running back either. Right. <laughs> right. That's, but but there's that semantics position here. is I think. The wide receiver? Treated diff- well, the running back versus wide receiver is a much different impression in my sense in this league. And I, I think it's a much different star factor, too. Well, I'll say this. I think we're starting to see some erosion from this superstar wide receiver era that we got. We went through. started with T.O., maybe a little bit farther back, right? Maybe Randy Moss was maybe the pioneer yeah, of this, Randy right? Yeah, Randy Moss, I think, was. Um, so back in that, those days and now up until now, here, here, here's why I'm saying this. The Giants are saying all the right things, but I'm pretty sure they're shopping Odell Beckham Jr. I'm pretty sure they are. I'm pretty sure they regret every single second of, of signing that contract <laughs> because <laughs> all the things that we've been saying and every other radio show and every other person on Twitter and all these people that actually pay attention to how the structures work, this wasn't the window to do that. No. This was not the right time. And if you're in that camp of, and some fans aren't, some fans aren't, of he didn't help them be any better, no. which sometimes can be an unfair characterization, I think. But the facts are the facts. He, you had him on your team, and you were amongst the worst teams in the league. Well, let me put it this way. Let me put it on him. Let, let me let me take it off the Giants right now because... I, you can't really fault them for wanting to keep this guy. He's a great player. Ultimately, football right? people say he's a great player. I need he's great, great players on my team. I'm not going to get rid of a great player. And I'll say this. They didn't really overpay for him. They didn't give him $20 million. They, they They brought it down. They tempered it. They Really nice cap structure on that. It's a really nice basic signing bonus salary deal. They didn't go crazy. Um, but shame on Odell Beckham for not sort of seeing the tea leaf, reading through the tea leaves here. There's no quarterback. Eli Manning's on his way out. We, we've... He must know that more than any of us, sure. right? I mean, he practices with this guy every single day. But there's no guy waiting on the bench to take Eli Manning's spot. Right. They, they might figure that out this year. Might. Mm-hmm. Right? And then maybe that takes a year to figure out, you know, on the field. But you, you, you lock yourself into this team at that money, and you're expecting to be great still? You can't be great without a guy throwing you the ball, is my point. Yeah, and, and I feel I like he's they, he still be the first one to complain when things don't go well. Well, he should have expected better out of this organization before even touching that contract. Or get me out of here and I'll go somewhere where there's a legitimate quarterback for the next four years. People have to be thinking in these short windows. Everybody, the GM, the player, certainly you know the, these important positions. I, I, I'm shocked that Odell Beckham cared that much about getting his signing bonus, is my point. Because that's all he got. Right. The, the, well, I think the, the money was all there. It becomes an ego thing. It becomes an ego. It becomes a I want to, you know, I want to say I'm the the highest paid guy. I want to say yeah. I'm the best. I mean, I think it, for whatever reason, it seems that that position in particular, <laughs> it's driven a lot by the ego part of it. You know, unless all Antonio Brown is doing is seeing what Odell Beckham has done and it got him somewhere where he wanted to be and because there's an internal competition between two guys who both think they're the best in the league maybe this is all being driven by Antonio Brown saying I want to do what Odell Beckham did I get it yeah I mean he he's the poster boy for that sort of old school thinking I need a max deal right that's the baseball thinking right now that I need a max deal doesn't really matter what team it's on I just need to get my money now and you know we'll get better because I'm there that's not how football works one wide receiver can't win you anything. Right. Can't win you anything. Right. Maybe the smartest receiver from this entire 2018 season was Sammy Watkins. <laughs> right. Who did get money, got two years guaranteed somehow. Right? right. 
and was a role player yeah. on this ridiculously cheap young offense that basically they just said, we need that guy with those skills and we'll pay him a little bit extra. You come in and catch us 50 balls and you know we'll, we'll, we'll go as far as we can. And they did. Mm-hmm. They did. And they darn near got to the Super Bowl with it. But that's the philosophy, right? That's sort of plug and play. It's You can still make your money because the cap is ridiculous. $190 million this year. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Sign a two-year fully guaranteed deal. Get in. Get into a spot that you can succeed because the pieces are already there around you. Otto Beckham did the exact which, opposite Which thing. leads me to think that this a lot of this is driven by egos. Because, no question. No because question. they want to say I'm the highest paid and the highest paid makes me the best and all that other stuff. All right. Put you on the spot here. Percentage of it happening uh, this offseason. Brown being traded. Beckham being traded. Uh, I'd put them both at 75%. Really? I think the Giants really do think... I thought you were going to make put Beckham higher than Brown. No, I think they're about the same. I, look, at, I'm not going to put... I, I know what's been said. I know what the Steelers have said. I'm not going to give phenomenal odds to Antonio Brown being traded because I cannot imagine any team taking on that day cap. I just can't. It would be it would be a suicide for this year. which And it's a very important year. Like I said, I think the pieces are about to fall off. I think the wheels are about to fall off that franchise for a couple of years. As any long-running franchise, it's going to happen to the Patriots eventually. Sure. Right, it just feels like the Steelers are, but, are but closing might not in on that. But the Patriots because they never really get themselves <laughs> roped into these kind of situations. You're right. Financially, they don't. They always hang around 25 million. They're always moving pieces. They're always not even financially. It's they, they won't be bullied. I mean, yeah, they're you fluid. Know, they're completely they, fluid. You know, I mean, let's let's bring Randy Moss's name back into it. Randy, you want to play here? Yeah. Want to play with Tom Brady? These are your terms. This is how you'll behave. If you don't, we're going to get rid of you. Did and you, and that's why the Patriots never let these situations happen. By the way, they have. Did you, have you read that they have ridiculous interest in Odell Beckham Jr.? The Patriots do. Serious <laughs> interest. I, I hadn't, but that doesn't surprise me. Well, here's Because, the, again, it'll be the same thing. Well, I, you know, Bill Belichick, Odell, we, we think you're a great player. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to play here, you're going to do everything we tell you to do, and you're not going to complain. And if you do, we're going to get rid of you. Do you want to be here? That's, that's the conversation. Don't you think it's even easier than that now? Here's the price that we can offer you. Do you want to play with Tom Brady or yeah, not? Yeah, yeah. It's that I, you're easy. Right. You're you right. want to catch balls from Tom Brady but or But I not? do think the behavior part of it is a factor too because, I, and I know this from having talked to people that have played there, um, and just they operate differently. They, they, don't, they don't have to tolerate any of this because they'll cut you in a second, and they don't have anybody to answer to. At least Belichick doesn't really have anybody to answer to. Uh, their fans at this point should understand how they are, how they do business. I, I, I've, I've cited the Randy Moss situation on so many other occasions. He was a problem child at every place he had been in the NFL until he got to New England, which is this is how you're going to do it. If you don't, you're gone because there are very few other teams that could have could have made the effort to sign Randy, got all their fans excited, and then cut him on a, on a drop of a hat because he behaved poorly um, or didn't live up to his expectations on the field. Patriots are the only team in the league can do that. So they're the only team in the league that can do that with Odell Beckham. Well, here's the brilliance, right? And here's, of course, why the Patriots are interested now. The Giants paid him $22 million last year. They yeah. paid him a $20 million signing bonus and a $2 million salary, and, and that dead cap falls off when you trade for him. And he's a 15 million per year quarterback for the next four years. Done. Easy. Or running backs, wide receiver, excuse me, 15 million per year, which is nothing. Maybe basically. sixth in the league now. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> so you get to let somebody else pay a signing bonus. Hold on to your hats, 31 other NFL franchise fans. <laughs> but yeah, I could see it. Odell Beckham being thrown to by Tom Brady. Wouldn't shock me. Yeah. How about Brown going there? No. Well, remember, Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh owns that trade now. 
There's no way the Steelers are trading him to New England. Patriots have a lot of picks, though. There's no way. You're trading for Just me. For me, the, divisional the Colts situation. are out. The, 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 not the divisional. The, the, the Patriots conference. are out. Yeah, those teams are out. If if the Pittsburgh Steelers are the ones ma- maneuvering this trade, true. It's 49ers. It's Seahawks. It's yeah. Right. They're, they're going to get as far away as possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's get off this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think the last thing we want to touch on was it's going to be Patriots. Of course. Yeah. Compensatory picks that should be announced uh, short, shortly again. It, depending on how many free agents you lose versus this crazy formula that no one knows what it is, hmm. based on how many you bring in, um, there, there's going to be, what, there's 30 or 40 compensatory picks given every year, some as high as the end of the third round. Here's my question. Perfect, perfect, perfect layout there, Paul. But here's my question. Why do we need these? Why do we need these? Here, here, everything you said is correct, and it's supposed to be... You know, the it's supposed to allow for more parity in the league. It's supposed to be teams like yeah, here in Buffalo. Yeah, I think it was if if you're if you're in a situation where you can't resign your players, we're going to help you mm-hmm. overcome that. That's right. These first round picks that cost a lot of money, but it's not like the Buffalo Bills are on a different caps cap than the New England Patriots. We're all under one hundred ninety million this year. We've all had eight years of this cap to, to figure it out to understand it. To roll over cap. And it's the, the teams that have struggled lately have more cap room than the good teams That's do. Right. So that kind of, you're right. That's right. It's completely backwards. And to, we're to the point now where the team's getting all these comp- compensatory picks. Guess who? Guess it's who? It's the good teams. It's the great teams. Yeah. It's the rich getting richer it's off these the picks. the Ravens for years because have dominated they're ab- this. they're abusing this system. Right. It's, there's a reason the Patriots sign six running backs every summer. Because to, they're going to keep pump them. the formula. Yeah. They're pumping it up. Not to mention they need the depth, right? Right. Because they use a different running back every week and a different wide receiver every week. So they need the depth. It fits their system. And it also fits this system. And they're also, <laughs> again, because they're the Patriots, they're not under the same kind of pressure to re-sign their players like no. other teams in the league are. No. And if one of those guys works out and they decide to let them walk because they're going to be worth $3 million more next year, they get themselves a third-round pick back. And I think, it's, I think in some cases for a general manager that may value those picks more than anything, they're not signing certain players to maintain the compensatory formula. Let me take it one step further, because we've seen a lot of this, and this is not just the Patriots. This is a lot of the, the, the Jets, especially, especially. They just they just let. Well, here's what they, here's what's called. They just declined three options on defensive players over the past two days. Saved themselves seven million in cap space. That counts towards it, the formula. It counts. It, there's no way it should count, but it counts. These guys signed three-year deals. Right, two and three year deals that look just like two and three year deals, signing bonuses that prorate down, right? Salaries in every year, big cap, you know, rising cap numbers every year. It looks like a long term multi year deal, but all they had to do is tag that second year an option, give him the pay him for that first year, and then decline the rest of the contract. Which interesting, we let him play his one year, and then the right. rest was an option that counts towards the compensatory formula. Huh. So these guys are getting out after one year. They're going, they're hitting free agency, and those teams are going to be able to get some comp picks back for it. It's a complete workaround. The, a complete only, the only point that I, that I would rebut you on a little bit is, I guess where I'm trying to go with this is beyond the third round, it, it, you're, you're, you know, again, it's, but it's they're trade all, assets, Paul. They're, well, they're, they're trade, trade assets. That's a, that's a good point that I hadn't thought about. I get what I was trying to say was, you know, it's all about the first three rounds, top 100 players. That's how all NFL teams always think. So if you can get an extra third rounder, you're in the tail end of that top 100. You're getting compensatory fifth and sixth and seventh rounders. 
I don't know how much those really, really mean unless, to Mm -hmm. your point, you're rolling them into getting back into the third round. That's right. I I think I've changed my thinking a little bit over the years, and and maybe the numbers at some point I'll I'll get you to run the numbers of much beyond the third round. I think we all have this romanticizing with the draft, and we can all cite – fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounders that have made nice NFL careers. But the percentages don't really back that up. No, top 100, right? The percentages right? are top 100, which yeah. is 32 times three, right around the end of the third round, early fourth round. So beyond that, I think your, you know, your hit rates are so much larger for fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounders that they, they, they're, they're bordering on I don't want to say useless, but you, that's the direction but I'm leaning. I wonder if we run some analytics, and maybe this is something we can do. If how many of those fourth and fifth rounders were parlayed with a second rounder to well, move up in the first round? That's a great point, right? I mean, if it's just particularly th- now when assets, trades have become so much more common, they're going to be growing and growing and growing. Right. And these teams, these rich teams, are are taking advantage of it. And let me give you the biggest the biggest example of the option. Do you know it? The- Patriots. The biggest example of using an option year to their benefit. Okay, go. It's been probably 10 years now. Do you using remember? Option year to their benefit. Didn't Richard Seymour, didn't they decline little, Richard A little Seymour? after that. A little after that. Defensive player, though. Declined. Signed, he was released out of Tampa, signed a one-year deal. Oh, Darrell Rivas. With a $20 million option for the second year. <laughs> Which they were never going to pay. It was the most obnoxious in your face. Look <laughs> at what we can do, and we're still going to get a comp pick off this. Right. So it, it was, was strictly to get the comp was, pick. They knew they were never keeping it more than the one year. That's what it was. It was like a circus act. It was yeah. like, look at what we can do. We're going to hang it out there. There's no way we're, gonna, we're paying them $20 million, but we're going to get a third-round pick out of this. And they did. They did. They did the same thing with Aqib Tlaib. Right. An right. option year. They've right. been doing this for a long time and mm-hmm. other teams are finally catching up. And now I'm noticing it more and more just doing these daily transactions. There's a lot of teams doing this and it's a loophole and it's terrible business. Yep. Right. It's terrible because these Very guys think they have multi-year deals. Too. Awful. And I just got myself to the point of why do we even need these picks? If yeah. if fourth round picks really don't matter, what are we doing here? Well, I, you'll have to run some numbers when you get a chance as we get closer to the draft. I would like to know maybe, you know, the percentage hit rate for each round. And and again, I think you have to probably set a parameter for what's considered a hit. True. Uh, you know, starting a certain amount of games probably might be what I would think of. Um, is a good barometer of whether a guy becomes a legitimate player. Could be just not. a second contract, too. Well, a second contract. That's a good point, too. Yeah, second contract. So, you know, so again, how much of a drop-off is there if, if you know, if uh, third-rounders become successful players on a 48% percentage, does it drop to 22% in the fourth round? Any stack guys it, out it, there, let's do this. And, let's and go. does it go even <laughs> further on down? You know, and again, yeah. I, I've, I've covered the draft for a long time, and I think I've always been caught up in that, I use that word romanticism of, oh, you know, they can find a guy in the fifth round and the sixth round, but the reality is they really don't. You re- most teams don't find that many good players beyond round number three. I, it, it, in this day and age, you can put a formula to anything to prove or disprove your point. So that's your that's the spot track assignment I'm giving you. Sounds like a good idea for right, yeah. the fans out there. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think <laughs> any draft guys who are doing this stuff. I think as we move to the yeah. draft, I think it's a, it's a really good exercise mm-hmm. in, you know, because I think fans do, oh, we got a fourth rounder for him or, or whatever, you know, we, we got a, you know, we got, you know, we have two extra fifth round picks this year and stockpiling picks or whatever. But if you're stockpiling for a 10% chance of them ever yeah. becoming a good player, then what's the point? Yeah, you're just building your practice squad there, right? It, that's pretty much what it is. So yeah. it's all about those first three rounds and the premium picks. 
So, so again, it's big week for contracts with the Machado deal. It may very well be a big week before it's over with more baseball deals coming up. We'll see. Yeah, uh, a little housekeeping on that. We're, we are going to launch a fantasy baseball contest where you pick one player from uh, each each team. Have you to keep love your, these have contests. to keep your, your you payroll love low. The pressure on everybody. It's a lot of work with baseball, but it's your you know we'll do it year long. We'll keep it out there, but we're not going to do it until Harper signs. Yeah, so, and Dale's Keuchel. So we we want to make sure that it's fair. So as soon as these guys get in there and, and the majority of those free agents that are signed, if we have to you know skip the first week of baseball or something to do that, we are going to do that contest, give away some money and. Uh, See what kind of uh, turnaround we can get on that. We'll do another one for the basketball playoffs as well. So uh, keep on the site. All right. So as soon as you hear word of some of these signings, get right to SpotTrack.com for the breakdown, the analysis, the rankings, what it all means, what it means, where it falls in the league. It's no question your best place to get that kind of perspective. And, of course, uh, we thank you for listening to this podcast. Make sure you like us on uh, on all the podcast opportunity places, Apple, iTunes, and all those places. And we'll be back next week to talk more about the business of sports contracts and its ever-growing importance in the world of sports. We even talked about how it's affecting college sports, and that's what we'll bring to you here. Thanks to Mike. Kevin Sylvester will be back with us next week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the SpotTrack.com podcast. <laughs>